Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Okay, let's get this blanket over my head. Hey everybody, it is Jad from Radiolab coming at you from under a blanket uh, in my home at a moment. That's hard to process. Okay, so uh, I have been making Radiolab for about two decades, and one of the most consistent questions that I've gotten during that time is, what episodes of Radiolab can I listen to with my kids? And I have wanted to gather a bunch of episodes together onto a list or into a feed for a long, long time, but I just have, have not gotten around to doing that. And then this happens. And we're suddenly in our homes having to figure out homeschooling. I'm in that situation too. So it just seemed like, okay, now is the time. And so we did it. We gathered together all of our favorite episodes that are kid-friendly into this feed. We're calling it Radio Lab for Kids. These are all stories that I hope make you smile, take you on a journey, maybe, maybe show you some new bit of information that makes you see the world in an entirely different way. And we're going to keep adding to it, so keep your eye on this feed. And um, yeah, I just felt like this is the thing we need to do right now. It's the thing I need, frankly. And so here it is. We're going to start off this feed with a story. This is one of my favorite stories. It's a story about goo, about the snotty, goopy mess that ends up making butterflies. Check one, check two. Oh, wait, you're listening. <laughs> okay. All right. You're listening listening to Radio Lab. For kids! Radio Lab. From WNYC. Hey, I'm Jad Abumrad. I'm Robert Krulwich. This is Radio Lab, and today... Black box. And a black box is, uh, it's a thing, it's a, it's a box that something goes in, you can see what that is. Something comes out, which is different, and you can see that. But you do not know what's going on in the middle. It's a mystery. I love it. Is there, shall we go inside? Of course. And uh, our black box comes from our producer, Molly Webster, and it begins... Into the butterfly rainforest. Oh. <laughs> so that you can see the butterflies that are flying, in fact. So, a few days ago, I was in Gainesville, Florida, at the Florida Museum of Natural History, where they have uh, a rainforest. It's, what, about three stories tall? It's, like, got a top that's all wrapped in a net, and then it was covered in butterflies. Oh, my gosh, there's so many. Thousands. Yes, so these are heliconias, butterflies. That's Andrei Surikov. I started looking at butterflies when I was six years old, and I have never grew up. He was my guide. And here, under this leaf, you can see an owl butterfly. One wing is like the size of my palm. So there were red ones. Black and yellow ones. Blue ones. Zebra striped ones. Is that is that a monarch? Yes. Watch out, don't step on this butterfly. It's it was like a Dr. Seussian land of butterflies. <laughs> but I was there to look at the moment right before they become butterflies, which remains one of the most mysterious black boxes in nature. What I'm talking about is something called the chrysalis. The chrysalis. Just to back up, at a certain point in all caterpillars' lives, after they've eaten a lot of leaves, they hit a certain weight. That is uh, coded in their gene as their final weight. Some hormones start pumping, some genetics turn on, and it starts growing a little shell. That's the chrysalis. And inside that chrysalis, as we know... A caterpillar becomes a butterfly or moth. 
And this is a mystery? What do you think happens inside the chrysalis? I think that... Actually, I've never thought about it, to be honest. I don't know. Well, I, don't, I don't understand how it works. Not many people have. Are you, like, surprised that you actually don't know? Yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> I thought, like, I knew, and I don't. <laughs> Those are folks I met at the museum. Hey, hold up. Now that I've thought about it for a second, isn't it simply that um, the caterpillar is inside the shell, it sort of snuggles up, and Mm -hmm. then it uh, grows a wing off of its right side and then off of its left side, and it just pops wings out? No. That is actually what I thought, but that's not right at all. So the McGuire Center is located on three floors. Because here's the thing. So now we're going into the bowels of the building. When you take one of those little black boxes and you slice it open... Shall we do it? which Andre was nice enough to do for me. Sorry. Even though he loves these guys, he took a tiny little chrysalis. Well, it's about uh, an inch long. Which a caterpillar had just gotten into one day ago, and he slowly began to cut. So we're taking our tweezer-like scissors through the outer layer of the chrysalis until... You can see pupil. (gasps) Oh. What? Oh, my gosh. What? No, it was like there was no caterpillar there. What do you mean? There was no head, there were no legs, th- there was no antenna, no spiky spine. It's like a pale white yellow. It's very liquidy. What was there then? Basically just goo. It's just like a runny, goopy goo. It looks like snot. All you had to do is give it like a little squeeze and then just went... Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it just whoosh, exploded it. He exploded it. I think he looked shocked, too. (laughs) Wait, I don't understand. Where where did the caterpillar go? It seems like once the caterpillar gets into its shell, it sort of just melts. Its head, legs... Antenna, abdomen. They all just dissolve. Muscles themselves just sort of, like, dissolve away into individual muscle cells. And some of the cells... Rupture, and so their insides, the amino acids, the proteins, those all go floating out into space. Wait, you're saying that the caterpillar just becomes like a soup of cells? Yeah. And yet, somehow... This uh, soup will uh, magically be transformed into a, a butterfly or moth. Well, how does that happen? That question, that question is the big, fat, metaphysical, quasi-religious, semi-mystical, <laughs> philosophical question that people have been asking forever. Yeah, so one of the big arguments uh, that was taking place... This is Matthew Cobb. He's a biologist and a historian. And he says back in the 1600s, when naturalists saw that goo, they just thought, oh, well, clearly what's happening is that... The caterpillar... ...goes into the chrysalis... And then it actually dies... Totally dies. And out of its burial cloth is going to come the new life. This beautiful and completely new creature. Death, as it were, and then... A kind of resurrection. That's Philip Clayton. He's a philosopher from the Claremont School of Theology. And he says from the beginning, people thought about and wrote about metamorphosis as a kind of spiritual ascent. It says somewhere in the New Testament, Behold, the old has passed away, the new has surely come. Basically, people saw the caterpillar as a symbol of our lowly, earthbound, lazy bodies, right? And then the butterfly was sort of casting away all of that, and it represented our soul up in heaven, sort of in its most perfect form. 
Never mind that butterflies actually like to eat. Feces and urine and other unappetizing substances. According to Andre, sounds tasty. (laughs) Never mind that. (laughs) The metaphor is like inspiring at some level, right? Because you think, oh, I've got all, I'm going to just become more, a more perfect version of myself, right? But then the converse side of that is you cut open a chrysalis and it looks like a whole bunch of goo and you think, that is a hell of a lot of change. So the thing is, is that this transformation, either of the butterfly or of my soul, (laughs) seems so dramatic so miraculous that it made some people think like, geez, if you're going to go to heaven in the process, transform that much, is it even you up there? It still has to be you that makes it to heaven. You can't change too much. Otherwise, like someone else will be up there enjoying your afterlife. So certain memories and elements of your identity have to continue, just not all the elements. Yeah, I'm I'm so intrigued by that because I also think like, what... Like what, when you undergo such a transformation, what what do they think carries through? That's a really interesting question. Cleaning out the poop and throwing away the, the moldy leaves, you have a lot of time to think. Which brings us to Martha Weiss. I am an associate professor of biology at Georgetown University. She got to thinking about this question in more concrete terms. Okay, so. She did an experiment. What we did was we took a big green caterpillar and we did something that was not entirely nice she put them in a box filled it with a nasty odor Mm -hmm. and is the odor like an odor of a plant or it's it's actually a plant-based odor but it smells kind of like nail polish remover in any case she gassed them with this nasty smell and then once they could smell the odor then we gave them a zap is that just like a zap just a zip a zap i think 10 seconds of zap 10 seconds and they did this over and over. Odor, zap, odor, zap, odor. Until eventually, most of these caterpillars learn to hate the smell. Every time they get a whiff, they head in the opposite direction. Okay, so then we let them pupate. Meaning the caterpillar changes into its shell and... <laughs> organs dissolve, muscles melt, you get this... Cataclysmic, catastrophic, chaotic... Change. And then, one month later, the moth emerges. And now we're, we're the drum roll. We're ready for the okay. drum roll. <laughs> they give the moths a whiff. Okay. And the moths hate the smell. Hmm. I mean, normally moths don't care about the smell at all. It's like 50-50, but these moths hated it. Somehow I'm confused. What does that mean? That means a memory made it through the goo. Oh. And it came out the other side. Oh. What's your what's your feeling like coming out of this? My feeling is wow. I think it's amazing that a caterpillar can have an experience, go into its chrysalis, five weeks pass, emerge as a, a seemingly different organism, mm-hmm. and that it still can recall experiences that happened to it when it was a caterpillar. And how does that happen? The answer to this question is we do not know. But but out there floating in that sea of goo is actually a tiny little speck of brain. Some of the brain is dissolved away, but there's this like microscopic fragment that has made it through. And Martha suspects that nestled into that fragment is this memory. Oh, it's like a little boop. It's like a little beacon. And it turns out there are others, too. There's 
a speck of gut, some nerves, some muscle. It's not as gooey as it seems. God, it's like, it's like, I can't help wondering, what does the butterfly know about its caterpillar life? Like, it knows this one tiny thing, but how much else? Does it know it crawled? That it had There's hair? no answer to that question. <laughs> But Martha says that these types of questions, like, come up all the time. In fact, one of her colleagues... And I was talking to Doug the other day, and he said that he had gotten an email from a guy who was... Uh, I'm not exactly sure what flavor of Christian, but had, but he, he had gone into the whole resurrection thing. And he felt like this was... You know, when he ascended, that he wondered if he would then be able to remember his life on Earth. Well, here's the answer. What answer? Well, the, an- the answer to the question about what carries through. The continuity question. Oh, right, yes. And memory carries through. Which is freaking cool, I gotta say. It is freaking cool, but there's a little more freaking cool. All right. And that is that there's actually a continuity, but it goes in the reverse direction. What does that even mean? Well, uh, Matthew Cobb told me this story about this guy. This uh, 17th century man who I never had never heard of. Jean, uh, his name's written Swamadam, but it's probably more pronounced Schwamadam. 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 Schwamadam, okay. <laughs> That's Jan Schwamadam, a Dutch microscopist from the 1600s. He was definitely the first to do some very clear dissections of the uh, chrysalis. And the caterpillar. And one day... In Paris, in front of this crowd of assembled worthies, bewigged and uh, bestocking... He gets a fat white caterpillar... Gets a scalpel or a tiny little thin bit of glass, and he dissects it. He just opens it up at the back, along its oh. back, a long line. And what he sees inside, or what he can show them, is that in fact there are some of the structures of the future... Uh, butterfly, its wings, its antennae, uh, and even its legs, that are actually already formed even before pupation takes place. So you peel back the skin of a caterpillar, and beneath it you see the, a new, the new creature hidden. Absolutely. There's ah, no decay. That's so bizarre. <laughs> there's, it's like well, it's I'll, like I'll if you were just... to skin me, and and you know... there's my seventy year old self is inside of me or something. <laughs> Wait, the, the and the wings also survive the goo. Yeah, so it's like the caterpillar will actually start to grow little tiny adult parts that are super thin and transparent, and it just keeps them tightly rolled up and hidden up against the edges of the chrysalis but they don't actually ever go through the goo oh. or become the goo. What he then shown was, you know what, this isn't about death, this isn't about decay. This is actually about transformation. I don't know, it's kind of eerie. Like, it's not just what of me carries forward into the future. It's like, what of my future self is in me right now? <laughs> 